Hi, and welcome to IndieWire's Filmmaker Toolkit Podcast. I'm Chris O'Fall, Executive Editor of Craft and Special Projects at IndieWire. And today, joining the three-time club, uh, Luca Guadagnino, making his third appearance here on the Toolkit, one of our favorite guests. Luca's always so great talking about um, craft and his process and his art. Just one of the great cinema talkers of all time, so it's always fun to have him on. And of course, we're talking about his new film, Bones and All, kind of a badlands uh, young people uh, living on the margins on the run love story but uh, you know they're cannibals starring the great timothy chalamet and taylor russell are in this one it's just a really really great film and you're getting to see it at home a little earlier than expected it's hitting vod earlier i can't believe you people aren't supporting these great movies in the theaters please please go to the movies but anyways i'm sure a lot of you are catching up with this now it's a wonderful film and as always luca is great talking about it I love this. I want to read this to you. It's something you said. The idea of the traveler, the one who roams, the wanderer in this kind of modern uh, setting felt very American to me and seemed to be a good place to start making movies in the United States. It's a beautiful sentiment. And it's interesting because you're not the first person here who, when they think of the United States, they think of telling the story in terms of landscape. And it's it's interesting to think instantly about that being wanting to be your first um, entry. There's a lot of different ways to make an American movie, but a road movie. When are you talking about that? And I wasn't planning. Like I, 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 I was actually working on another American story, which was Scarface, which I ended up not doing. Then, when Dave Kajanek approached me with the, with this script, um, which I know he was working on for Antonio Campos, but then Antonio decided not to pursue it. And when I read the script, there were some familiar things that were familiar to me about, uh, as I said, the wonder in the American landscape and something touching and profound about this disenfranchised youth who is kind of like running their identity, running away from their identity, running away from their inevitability, and also at the same time running away from people who wants to destroy them. Um, and, and again, intuitively, I I I went for it, and then I realized that, as you said, uh, it was my uh, opening the door to America as a filmmaker, as a filmmaker who shoots in America through the archetype of the of the wonder, the travelogue. You've made a lot of different types of movies in terms of the cinema, and what's interesting here, and I was hoping you could talk a little bit about, it, is instead of putting a style, having a sense of what the style of this film is, it's very much taken, you're telling a story through landscape. I'm wondering if you could talk about that process, because I have to imagine some of this is a lot of travel, like you're finding your movie on the road, visually, I mean, you have your characters and your stories, but was this something traveling around, finding your container here? Because it feels like so much of the cinema is coming from from the setting. I try to, and I hope I succeed in making films that do not come as engineered, conceived, preconceived machines that you uh, um, decide before you actually make the movie how they have to work in the terms of the visual language, the visual storytelling, or the codes of the genres. Uh, first and foremost, because I would not know how to do them this way, and also because I have an urge, a necessity of understanding characters and their relationship with the landscape and moral landscape, interior landscape, exterior landscape, space in general, in order to be able to understand what the movie will need as point of view in order to be told. But for something like this, was it a lot of 
you know, obviously you are thinking in terms of a space, though. Are you thinking, is this something where, I mean, obviously you have to scout, but I'm wondering how much of you... Instead it, of scouting, I decided to go on the road, like Marilyn and Lee, for a month. We went on the road, and we were going without purpose. We were going towards some of the locations that were in the script, like to see what's the village looking like, Fredrickson and things like that. Or for the states where they are going, we're going to go across... We were going to go across America, the, the Midwest of America, through the routes that were more frozen in time, less modern. And I did that without purpose. The purpose was knowledge, understanding, a feeling inside of it. So that when, I, when, when we started scouting it, I had a feeling of it that I already knew. And I could kind of allow myself to really position myself inside of it instead of above it which i think is one of the dangers of being a foreign and seeing a country from a foreign language from a foreign eyes there's just a beautiful moment in this kind of wide open on a hill moment that you return to then at the end of the film i'm it's such a powerful moment i'm wondering how much of that once you found that it kind of you kind of retro build towards that in that sense of it's this wonderful wide open space that just feels it's an image that will be with me it's forever. A, it's a great question, and you are going. You have a lead there, because the script called for a different finale, and there was a scene, an addendum, like an epilogue. And I felt like once we arrived in 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 Nebraska, and we were on that plane, on that hill above the plane, that Marin and Lee had found heaven, paradise. So I, I, I said to everybody, we, we waited the night, a long night for the sunset to come. And I, and I filmed many, I feel many different things. And then I said to David, I feel like we already, ha it was intuitive again. I think, I said, I have, we have the finale. I don't think we, we might not need to shoot that sequence that is in, in the epilogue. And in fact, that was the case. In a way, someone can say that when they say to one another, let's be people, they have they fall asleep and they dream the last part of the movie, only to wake up again in the in the in the blissfulness of the early hours of the day, maybe safe for a moment. Or maybe uh, they do have left Nebraska and they do have tried to be people not try not succeeding, but we have to remember them in the most endearing moment of their lives. I don't know. It's up to the audience. But you have a, you have a point about that moment, that place calling for, in a way, the uh, sum, the sum up of their uh, romantic experience. Also, like, in that moment when Lee confesses her the abomination that he had to go through in order to survive, he spills out for him, to him, to her, and, and the way she receives these horrors in this compassionate way tells you how deep is their love. And that is when he understands that they can love each other because they understand that they will love one another no matter what's the otherness of the other, which is in a way a sort of utopic way of seeing love. And when we come back, uh, by the way, people always listen to this after they see the movie, but um, when we come back, they're naked, right? That's different. There's a difference there too, right? Semi-naked. Semi yeah, because there's... It was, that, was, that instantly kind of had me thinking about what... Like what happened moment. in the meantime. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I understand why they would be naked, but it was more just the, um, the kind of almost dreamlike state of it. You, you've always been fascinated, at least the movies, I, I think I've seen most of your movies now, of, of, of 
the outsider, people living in the mar peeping in the margins, and obviously that's the the big part of the appeal here. And I'm gonna just I'm I'm guessing here, but there's a lot of reasons why people live in the margins in the United States. But the thing is, if you make a movie about that, it becomes about that. You know, if that's the reason, it becomes about that. And cannibalism seems to be this thing where. It seems to be instant. You almost understand why these people don't fit in, and it instantly drives them on the road. It, and is that is that something where because it seems like a big decision, but it almost in retrospect seems instant. Because if I think about all the things that went through my mind of young people living on the margins, it almost fills in for everything. You know, versus being about that's all the an, that, that's probably how intuitively I work it. Like I use intuitively now that you say it, you made me think. You gave me an an. In you gave me a tip to understand how to approach and address this idea of cannibalism. I think it was probably intuitively my knowledge of it being a very clear, direct way of otherness to otherness. I didn't thought about that before, but now you're making me think about that this way, which I, li I like very much. Because it's cinema. Cinema is a maximalistic tool. Even the most minimalistic Ozu movie, it's maximalistic in, in, in its decision of telling the story of the ceremony of tea. You know what I mean? Like even the most bare Bresson movie, it's super maximalistic because it goes to the big themes, right? So like cinema needs that approach. It needs to use the, the elements as loud elements to clear the table and make sure that you know what you're looking at, what you're falling, what is the movie you are getting into in order for you to f connect with the, no matter what kind of universality the movie is trying to lure into, you into. In this case, it's otherness and it's inescapability of who you are. While I was watching this, my mind instantly went to one of my favorites of all time, um, They Live by Night, the Nick Ray film. Oh my God. I yeah. quote They Live by Night constantly. It's... I, <laughs> The Nick Ray movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Completely. Yeah. Completely. I'm haunted by that movie. And, and and I saw it many years ago. And I always thought like, oh, that's the movie that I would love to do in a way. And in a sense, when I was thought, because I actually went back and rewatched it recently, ironically, like about a week before I saw yours. And one of the things was that as I thought about this cannibalism thing, I was realizing that like, you know, in, in the 40s, that idea of... Um, just with the noir films, they could be on the run. They could be, you know, it would just be, it's just kind of like this idea of like that would, how you would do that. And it almost is that maximalism, but you, I don't think you could do a crime movie. Like almost in this day and age with how much we discuss these things, it feels like if it was abuse, if it was, if they were gay or all these different reasons that kids are marginalized, that would be the topic here. And it's almost like we don't have the equivalent of doing like a noir film like that. Right also now. because young people are put in a, dangerous position constantly by the system of society like um, she says the mother says there is in the, in the in the world of love there is no place for monsters and actually this movie is the opposite of that this movie is about in the world of love there is a place for monsters and so we do, we are with the monsters i'm curious then because with this i'm wondering how you approached and in, in the, your thought process, and I, I should say this, I think I think all the choices you made here are beautiful, this film soars, but I'm wondering, I imagine with this comes the idea of like, how am I gonna handle the eating part? How am I gonna handle that? Like, what am I gonna show? <laughs> when am I gonna show, how am I gonna do this? And to a certain degree, it allowed you the simultaneous moments of both seeing how much of a need this is and also how they're repulsed by it. But I'm curious um, what your thought process was there, because I imagine that's something 
this movie has no cynicism. It, it is asking for us to be there with them the whole time. I'm wondering what you thought about how we were going to handle the the actual eating scenes. I think uh, first and foremost was <clears throat> there was a conscious decision that we didn't want to go for the shock value. Neither we want to use it as a sort of like jacket to wear uh, in the in the in in the wardrobe of the genre. If that's a bit convoluted. What I want to say is that we didn't use cannibalism as a way into the genre. It was about behavior. And uh, so, like, for me, it was about, first of all, like, what is the physical act looking like if you deal with it in a very precise and reality-based way? So we inquired some pathologists who gave us some tips about it. They, they explained us how it would really work. So that then we, we, we discussed with the wonderful Fernanda Perez and Jason Hamer, makeup artists and prosthetic makeup artists, what would be the texture that we were looking for in terms of the way in which the physicality of the actual bites would have worked. And then, and this was a question for me and my editor and, and Trent and Atticus, the great composers of the movie, we were also thinking about the sadness of the inevitability of having to do that because you can't escape from the urge of doing that and the sadness of the destruction of these bodies in relationship with the legacy of the people who are destroyed. That's why when Lee, when uh, Sally and Maren, they are in the house of Mrs. Harmon and they feed on her, we cut very quickly from that moment to the uh, uh, mantelpiece where you see all the pictures of the life of the woman. Uh, so for me, it's always about like, what's the moment in which we have to see something else than the actual uh, 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 supposed uh, center of the scene. What's the center of the scene there? Is it the shock of the eating or it's more about the sadness of the inevitability of that and the sadness of what is left of the life of this woman, but at the same time, the beauty of it. You see this woman with her family, Grand Canyon pictures, great job from Matt Marks, my prop master, amazing. Um, the same way in which you, I turn my gaze from the lovers on the bed to the to the trees in the in outside the window in Call Me by Your Name. Can we talk a little bit? You've done a lot of work uh, with David now, and I, by the way, are you talking to him throughout the whole movie? You mentioned that part about the end. Are you? Is he? He's, he's not there, is he? Is it just something you're talking to your screenwriter throughout the throughout the process of making this? Or no, usually I like screenwriters to be with me on the set all the time. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so who's there? They're sitting beside me. They're usually on my uh, right side. That's their position. I, 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 I oblige them. It's fun. It's First of all, it's like having lady-in-waiting, and I need company. And secondly, I want to make sure that every idea that can spill out from the process of making the movie in terms of the writing you go through in the shooting, it's addressed from the perspective of the writing on, on the page. The only place where I do not, do not allow my writers is the editing room because that's the, why, the time in which we rewrite the movie again mm -hmm. and that's where their duties are not welcomed anymore. <laughs> but uh, like every movie I made, I had writers with me and it's a privilege. So a bigger splash, Dave was with me all the time. Suspiria partially because he was shooting the terror uh, on... Um, on um, on uh, Challengers, the last movie I made, I had Justin Koritskas, this 
very brilliant young writer with me all the time. So in essence, if something's happening, if you're working on a scene with Timothy and Taylor and something happens or something emerges and you, you love it, there's a little bit of like a, you can instantly have a bouncing board of thinking about I how I think it's what, important that we ripples. know that if something doesn't make sense uh, in the logic of what has been built in the, in the, in the, in the before, at least we have a red, a, a red herring, you know, like we have someone who says, no, 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 be careful there. Or even like go more, you know, explore more. He's a wonderful writer. Um, Amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm curious. I mean, obviously you guys are connecting on material, but I'm wondering when you've worked with someone so long and you've spent so much time with, with their work and developing something, I'm, I'm curious. I mean, obviously the, the answer could just be he's a great writer, but there is something here that there's very something simpatico in terms of the way you work. There's something very- We call each other Papa. Papa. Yes. <laughs> I'm Papa, he's Papa. But I mean, there's kind of a little bit of a share. I don't know if it's a shared- sense of cinema or a shared sense of the outsider, but there's something, I'm wondering if you talk a little bit about, you know, a, a great director, it's wonderful to have a great writer, but I'm wondering what is there in that combination there? I think we share a lot of uh, vision of life. I think Dave is uh, apocalyptic and very funny. I am um, optimistic and, 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 and cruel and quite funny. So those three elements for me and two in him, they, mer they merge very well. Also, we are very ambitious in the sense that we want to make infrastructure that are special. We don't want to repeat. We want to challenge one another. It's, it's a good company. He's already written a new script for me that is amazing. It's interesting because you do have a, a biting sense of humor, and so does David. And this film is, I mean, it's not to say that it, it, it's kind of intentional in any form, it's so sincere and so immediate. That's not to say that it's not humorless, but there is something, there is something here that you kind of are withholding a little bit of something of your voice in this and how t tender and sincere this is to a certain degree. Not sincere, your other films are sincere, but I mean, in terms of, in terms of, of humor almost to a certain degree. It is earnest and it is direct. But when Sully cleans his hands on his panties, I think that's very funny. It is. <laughs> <laughs> or when Marin sees Lee uh, giving pleasure to the bootman. And she has this moment in which she goes like, oh, look, there is a little bit of humor there too. It might not be fair to quote yourself here, but I, I have to, I, I read something that I need to ask you about. Beyond this, you're talking about uh, Timothy Chalamet here and the fact that he sees beyond his own character to a wider perspective of cinema. It's an interesting thing to say about an actor. What, what, did, what do you mean by I've that? I've been privileged because I've been working with actors that have been constant filmmakers in my relationship with them. I'm thinking of Tilda. I've heard that said, the only other time I've heard that said about an actor was about Memoria and her and that the, the larger frame she's wearing. About who? Til, uh, oh, I'm sorry, um, about Tilda Swinton, you know, and... Um, well, when, we gave, when I gave the script to Timothy, he jumped on it immediately, but also he had so many great ideas about the texture of his characters and the texture of the journey of Marin and Lee that it was just immediate for me to say, join me and David in our conversations on that we're having in order to bring the movie to what it's called shooting draft. So we spent time, me, Dave, and, and Timmy, uh, a lot thinking of the characters, not only his characters, and thinking of the infrastructure of the story, not only his arc. And that comes with this intelligence. And that comes with his passion. And that comes with his investment in the process of making the movie. Can you give an example of that? of something that comes from that, from the, with this movie? Simple scene, when he gets into the house of the boothman and he finds the kiss, 
Timothy had this idea that he were to put the music and how that music was was showcasing his like push and pull toward being like simpatico to her and not being simpatico to her and how that was reflecting on her as well so when you when you, when you hear lick it up that's a very strong moment in which we discuss that a lot it it changes both characters not only his you don't really want to talk about the period here but i do want to talk about the music which does seem to be the biggest period element here you mentioned before working with uh, trent reznor and Atticus ross but also there's some wonderful needle drops in here that are so evocative that that kind of i don't know transported me i'm a little bit younger than you but transported me to a time but i'm wondering if you talk a little bit about what what the music meant for you and what you were going for with this in this one i i spoke at length with trent and Atticus about uh, the romanticism of the movie and I told them the movie is very, is very romantic and very uh, melancholic. So can you find the sound of that and, and, and in, in its most pure form? And guitar came to my mind as the instrument that tells Americana and the longing in it. I thought a lot about Jack Nietzsche and they went for it beautifully. Of course, there is this amazing wall of sound that they created around it. But uh, that's how it worked. And then I started to count, counterbalance it or like make a contrapunto to it with the couple of, 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 of moments where we were giving the propulsion of the journey through the propulsion, propulsion of these uh, uh, bands from the UK that must have been, in a way, in the back of the mind of Lee, the Joy Division, the New Order, you know? He's like an alternative guy, so he must have heard that kind of music then. And then we, we wrapped up everything with having the incredible Peter Saville designing all the graphics in the movie, Peter Saville being one of the greatest art director alive who made the covers for many of the New Orders and the Joy Division album. Trent and Atticus are perfect for this film, I, and I'm sure you've wanted to work with them. Was this a... I, I, you almost picked them for this film, or is this just your final, your opportunity to, to, to work with them? I'm, I'm curious how much of this was like... I adore them, and I always admire them. And they are, they are for me, the, the, the most striking revelation as musicians that for me, uh, came across in the past 20 years in cinema, knowing their beautiful canon as Nine Inch Nails. But everything was everything went in the right place with this. I said, my agent then proposed me to, to, to send the script to Trent and Atticus, and I said, would they be interested in such a small movie? And they, they reacted immediately to it, and we had these beautiful conversations. I'm very privileged. These are real filmmakers who makes beautiful work and not only they do it in their individuality but also they merge their work within the fiber of the movie and they become part of it i don't think this movie could be without them well said we'll leave it there thank you congratulations on this one Luca. thank wonderful. you Chris. thank you so much <laughs> 